It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, I'm Andrew Bowser. And I'm Sapphire Sandalo. And welcome to Alter Weekly. Coming up on the show, we're going to do things a little different this week. If you remember a couple episodes back, Sapphire mentioned doing the cube game personality test on me. So we're going to take the first half of the show to do just that. Then we talk to Josh Rubin, the director of Scare Me, about how he likes his horror with the proper dose of comedy. And then at the end of the show, we're going to let you know what we're watching next on The Alter Society. But first, it's time for your news slash. News slash. Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark Season 2 has revealed its subtitle, Curse of the Shadow. In the six-episode-long new season, a new group of kids tell a terrifying tale about a curse that has been cast over their small seaside town, haunted by an all-new villain named the Shadow Man. Are You Afraid of the Dark Season 2 premieres in 2021 on Nickelodeon. The voice cast for Back for Blood video game includes Barbara Crampton. Hey, we know her. Turtle Rock revealed some of the voice cast for the upcoming release. Barbara Crampton from Reanimator is part of the cast. She'll be playing Mom in the game. Alongside Alan Ayala as Evangelo, Danielle Judovitz as Holly, William C. Stevens as Walker, and William Sawyers as Hoffman. The story takes place after a catastrophic outbreak where most of humanity has either been killed or infected by the devil worm parasite. Back for Blood is scheduled for a worldwide release on June 22nd. 2021. Any Wishmaster fans out there? No? Just me? Okay, well, the Wishmaster franchise returns with official novelization based on the original screenplay. Upon its release in 1997, Wishmaster never received a novelization. So now, 23 years later, Encyclopocalypse Publication steps into the fray to right this wrong. Encyclopocalypse has partnered with Peter Atkins, the original writer of the screenplay, to bring a novelization to life. The book is written by Christian Francis, and it will be released on January 31st in paperback and for Kindle. And that's it. That's your news slash. News slash. All right, Sapphire, it is time. We've got to make good on a promise that we made a few episodes ago. Yes. We said we were going to play the cube game. Is that what it is? There were two, but but then yep. we'd already done the animal game, kind of, where we talked about it too much. Mm-hmm. So what's the cube game, and what is this going to tell you about me, or what is it? <laughs> That's such a so devious I'm laugh. You a series of four. I <laughs> this is a horror podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you a series of four questions okay so you need to answer just the first thing that comes to your mind and i want you to describe as detailed as possible the thing that i am asking you to describe okay Okay. so just clear your mind okay oh man you ready yes now when you say when you say describe (laughs) in detail you got to give me a limit Mm -hmm. because i can go on for too long Um, sometimes (laughs) <laughs> just 
give me enough. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll be like, okay, we can chill. <laughs> okay, should I keep my eyes right, closed so, so I'm kind of less, like, distracted? Um, if it helps you. Okay. If it helps. It might. Maybe close your eyes, yeah. Okay. So, all right, here we go. So, first thing I need you to do is imagine that you are in a desert. Just like yeah. an empty, vast area. All right, cool. So, you're walking in the desert, and you come upon a cube yeah now tell me what this cube looks like everything about it from where its relationship to you is the size what does it look like so the cube is like three feet in front of me it's okay. levitating off of the ground it is um like one side of the cube is is like two feet wide um it is black but it is reflective slightly it's like kind of a black mirror type of texture and there are engravings in it that are like circular uh, the engravings almost look like solar system-y. Like there's a lot of rings mm. okay. on each side of the hovering black cube. Okay. Um, let me see if there's anything else I want to ask about it. How do you how do you feel about the cube? I don't want to touch it, even though. Uh, my initial instinct was I want to touch it because of the engraving. It feels like it'd be nice to kind of run your fingers over it and feel the little ridges in, in, indented. But uh, I, I worry that whatever's levitating it off the ground, that, that there's a force around it, that if I tried to touch it, it might like blow me back. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, cool. So still a picture of the cube. Okay. You're still in the same place. Now I want you to picture a ladder. Yeah. Got it? Okay, yeah. Okay, now tell me, same thing, tell me everything about the ladder. So the ladder is wooden, and it's pretty tall. I'd say it's like 12 to 15 feet high, and it's leaning up out of the sand, like it's resting in the sand, and it's just like leaning against nothing. Um, but, hmm. but it's, it's at an angle, so it's hitting something, whether it's invisible or not, I don't know, but it's just at an angle up right out of the sand and, uh, it's wooden, but it's like okay. soft edges, if that makes sense. Like it's all kind of rounded edges. It's not like hard, flat edges. Mm-hmm. So in relation to the cube, where's the ladder? Like to the right of it by maybe like three feet to the right of the cube. The ladder is coming up. Um, all right. Next question is you're still in the same place. Now you see a horse. Yeah. Tell me everything about the horse. Well, it's brown with white spots. It makes me think of those candies what were those candies that were like caramel, but then they had like marshmallow inside? Uh, 
It's given me it's given me that type of vibe. I don't know what the name okay. of that candy is, but it's like circular caramel that also has something white inside, and I assume the white is like a mallow. Um, mm-hmm. It has a saddle on it, um, and it has white kind of cream-colored mane and tail floof. And it's just chilling. It's standing there. And it's doing a little bit of, you know, like the, just a little, a little nase or whinny, whinny, whinny. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I think that would be like a whinny. It's a very, very subtle whinny. And it's kind of like kicking a little, it's not moving much, but it's just kind of like kicking its feet a little, kicking some sand uh, up. How do you feel about the horse? I feel good about the horse. I feel like the horse is friendly and I would want to touch it. And I feel like I could jump right on it. And it would be like, let's go. I feel <laughs> good about the horse feels inviting and friendly. And like mm-hmm. he's kind of just waiting for me to get on him. Nice. All right, cool. So here's your last question. Okay. So you're still in the desert. I have never objects. heard of this game before. Really? You could be pranking oh. me for all I know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> no, I swear to God, it's fun. Okay. I okay. So, okay. Now a storm is approaching in this desert that you are in. Tell me everything about the storm and what you your reaction to it is. So the storm, I see it in the distance. I see the clouds darkening. And they're, they're kind of spilling into the blue clouds, almost like with an inky consistency. They're like the black clouds are spilling in filling the sky and there's little pockets of of lightning uh not like the um actual beams of lightning but just like the clouds are being illuminated in little pockets Mm -hmm. but i feel like riding into the storm uh i actually feel like looking at it i'm like that's where we need to go horse and i want to like get on the horse and ride toward the storm is what i feel Interesting. Um, what do you? Why do you think you feel that way? Um, that there's some destination within it, uh, like you know, as if you were saying, "Oh, we've got to go to Mordor," um, or maybe there's something through it, like on the other side. But I just feel like the storm is is, is something uh, that's marking a destination or uh, a, a point of interest that's important and not to be avoided. Interesting. All right, cool. You can open your eyes now. (laughs) You ready? Uh, Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. You sure this isn't a prank like in high school when you're like, hey, there's a pool on the roof. Have you gone to the pool on the roof yet? You're going to listen to me tell this whole, explain this whole situation, and then you're going to be like, so what all that means is you're an idiot. What? You got pranked. (laughs) No, I promise. Um, And I hope people listening also play this game with people. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, the this is where we can it gets a little bit subjective. So okay. we you know we figure it out together. So the way that you describe the cube and how you feel about the cube represents how you picture how what you think of yourself. Oh, 
All right. So, and you, what was it? It was like a, it was floating off the ground and it was like a black mirror-ish. Yeah. And it was like, reflective material. and it, it had this engraving and it had, like, in it. Swirlies. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't want to go near it because you were afraid it would explode. <laughs> That's true. What do you true. think that means? <laughs> well, I guess I could, huh. Something that I've been learning a lot about myself that a lot of people might not assume, especially for someone who, you know, puts himself on camera and and seemingly would like to be the center of attention. I actually have a hard time taking up space mm. or understanding that relationships can be two ways, that we could have disagreements and that doesn't mean uh, I have to take it down to zero. Like, well, there was a disagreement. That means we hate each other now and everything is on fire and there's no rebuilding that thing. And so I have a hard time. Interesting. I think that's why I like directing because I am in a position where I must take up space to get the job done. And there's safety mm. in that. And so okay. I guess what it makes me think when you say the cube is me is that I might be afraid of potency or power in a way. Um, mm. And and taking up space. Even just thinking of that cube kind of having this like like this reverberative effect that could kind mm -hmm. of, you know, shift things. Um, Interesting. Uh, sometimes, I'm, sometimes I'm afraid of being the one to shift things, that I could say, mm -hmm. hey, actually, let's not do it this way, let's do it that way. Or, hey, I don't like this. Or, you know, anything, just taking up space, I have a hard time doing. And again, as a director, it's demanded of you, and I feel yeah. like fucking therapy when I'm directing. It feels <laughs> uh -oh. like... It feels mm -hmm. so freeing to have to make decisions and have a point of view. And, well, that actually sort of bleeds into the next uh, thing. Um, so the ladder, you said that your ladder was leaning against nothing, but it was at yeah. an angle. It was away from the cube. Okay, so the ladder represents your friendships, and its relationship to the cube is like your relationship with those friends. Wow. Well, what's interesting yeah. about that? Holy moly. Wouldn't want to be your friend. <laughs> I, I mean, that literally that this week I have had I had one very large conversation uh, with my wife about, in essence, how I, I'm not a great friend and it, not Ooh, for wow. the reasons, <laughs> not for the reasons that you you necessarily expect or maybe for exactly those reasons but there's a safety i have in in work relationships and it goes yeah. back to this like taking things down to zero or letting there be nuance or difficulty in things i rarely outside of a work relationship i treasure the way i relate to people on a project and if that same person um I'm thinking specifically of an actor that I work with frequently who has said, let's get a beer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. We should. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you never Have I, do. And then I don't because I'm so afraid of sitting down, finding out we disagree on things or, or not being um, uh... able to show up for whatever they need um, on a personal level. Whereas on a work level, as a director or as an actor – I know it's expected of me. I can deliver. We can relate, shake hands, say goodbye. I feel like I did what I was expected to do, yeah. and they did what they were expected to do. It doesn't have to be messy. So it's interesting because I feel like that behavior, though, has led 
to me not having many friends, especially many friends whose friendships mm-hmm. are, are, are really built on something that isn't related to my work or art. And um, I mean, yeah, they're all kind of tangential to that thing. Wow. And then they kind of, they don't go anywhere. I don't let them go anywhere. You keep them at a distance. The ladder is leaning. I, I almost strategically so in a way that I'm becoming more aware of. I would think it's subconscious, but it's becoming less subconscious in recent uh, months as I learn this about myself. That uh, things getting messy uh, does kind of scare me. Mm-hmm. And so I like things staying within the confines of something that I can define yeah. and that can be defined for us. Yeah. It makes sense. It's just, I mean, th- that conversation about the friendship thing happened last week. And then I also realized this script I'm currently writing is about. It sounds, this sounds stupid. I'll say it first. But the, the script say I'm it. writing is like, a, the script, it sounds like I'm writing a Care Bears movie. But I'm not. The script I'm writing, I realize, is about friendship. And probably my longing for <laughs> My longing oh for it. Friendship. I wrote this whole story arc that I realized ends with like somebody kind of finally just having friends. <laughs> That's like the the wow, end of dude. the you know, yeah. And I didn't even realize it. But as I was constructing the whole thing, after having this conversation with my wife, I realized that's what I'm writing about is the fact that I feel like an <laughs> island or that this character feels like an island. Yeah. All right. So the horse actually represents your ideal partner in a relationship romantic partner so um the fact that you what was it like you felt very comfortable with the horse you wanted to ride it um you know that means i mean i'm yeah like it feels like sounds like you and your wife have a very solid relationship and you're comfortable with her um yeah and it yeah so that one wow that's cool yeah i'll take that one (laughs) That one turned out okay. What would you do if I had said, well, the horse is like spiky and thorny and it's going to hurt me if I get near it and it's always judging me. (laughs) Then you'd be like, oh, shit, Bows. Yeah, you're in trouble. No, that's good. Uh, No, so that's good. The horse felt like a... The horse, it's funny, and, the horse felt like mm -hmm. a partner to me as I was seeing it. Like, it felt like we were like... There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, and then the final question, the storm, that represents, like, your reaction to the storm represents how you handle problems. So mm. you wanted to ride the horse into the storm. <laughs> so yeah. What do you think that means? Well, it's interesting because I... Uh... In weird ways, I am conflict avoidant, and in weird ways, I'm not. And the yeah. only thing that 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 comes to mind that's kind of analogous to that is, again, I just think of directing. I one of the reasons why I love directing is because I can speak directly into problems, and we can solve problems. And if I see somebody, you know, if I see a steady cam operator roll their eyes or huff. I'm like, hey, come here real quick. What's going on? Are you unhappy? What are we dealing with? What can we do to make you happier? Did you think we rushed that mm. setup? Did we think we didn't give you another take? Like, I, that's why I love directing because you just kind of have to be in the crucible of it all. 
and there's no time to skirt the issue or sweep things under the rug. Um, I think personally, I am less direct, though. So it's interesting that I still mm-hmm. wanted to ride into the storm. Yeah. Um, I am less direct on personal levels when it comes to conflict. I usually, if I have a problem or two with somebody, my reaction is to kind of just cut ties, back away, you know? And mm-hmm. that's not that's mm-hmm. not healthy. Uh, that's not healthy. But um, no. But it's odd because in other ways, I'm just, I'm not like that. In other ways, I'm very forthright and... And don't right. shy away from a from a, mm-hmm. co- a hard conversation. Wow, we got real deep. <laughs> this yeah, intro. that's <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Who knew the cube game would un- unleash? I know the power of the cube. The power of the cube. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Josh Rubin is a writer, director, and performer known on the internet as one of the primary content creators for the site College Humor. But we're talking to Josh about his feature debut as a director, Scare Me, starring Aya Cash and Josh as two writers hell-bent on scaring each other half to death. Well, thank you for joining us, Josh. We're excited to have you here on Alter Weekly. My pleasure. Thank you. Coming to you live from the floor of my bedroom like any uh, celebrity famous yeah. uh, indie horror maker. Totally, totally. We've had guests like in their closet, so it's nice and quiet. We've had guests on the floor of their bedroom before. I know everybody's kind of improvising, especially during these times. So let's talk about Scare Me. Let's talk about where the idea came from. Um, when did you initially come up with this concept to have two actors in a house going through their stories and acting out these tales that they had each written or were coming up with? Uh, well, it was a confluence of events. Um, I, I'm a commercial director by trade. So, you know, I sell my soul to live, uh, for, you know, Clorox or Geico, sometimes Fruit Loops, whatever it is. Um, and I, my whole life, my mom and dad, very, very supportive. It was a lot of like, you're going to be the next Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, yeah. you name it, Mariah, Mariah Carey, yeah. uh, Carey Brothers, all the Careys. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it came to a, life kind of came to a head at, at kind of all at once where I read Like Brothers, the Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass book about their relationship. I'd sort of, in their creative life, I'd ended a relationship like that, a creative relationship and mm. collaboration that just, you know, it was sort of parted ways. And as my soul was kind of getting sucked <clears throat> in the world of, you know, branded prank videos, um, and uh, my 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 folks in my circle uh, were sort of, you know, achieving their dreams because they took these big sort of risks, whether it be moving across the country to, you know, make it in Hollywood, so to speak, which I'd done a few years prior to my writing scare me. 
um, or financial risks, taking money out to fund their own film. Yeah. I thought it was about time I, I tried and do that for myself. So essentially, I was like, I'm going to make my own movie, uh, starring myself as sort of an actor showcase where I can bring in an actor or actors to play opposite me. Um, ideally an actress playing in a role that isn't sexualizing her in any way where she can do things she wouldn't normally do. And I could really listen and not, you know, just make some kind of sketch movie, just, you know, play in the genre. I was a horror, a horror fanatic before I was a comedy person. Um, me too, uh, was sort of, um, it's, it's crescendo to me was, you know, it was like Louis CK, Aziz Ansari, Harvey Weinstein, even Dustin Hoffman. It was like all at once. So what was happening in the world was this constant conversation of it was like another hero or another person I'd look up to in my beloved industry that I was selling my soul to try and climb was, um, for lack of a better word, power tripping, fucking people over, especially the women in their circles. And I was having a lot of conversations with the women in my circle who were ironically fans of mine from the college humor years, mm-hmm. uh, very, you know, boobs, beer, and video games oriented site. <laughs> and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to make a genre film that um, scratched my itch uh, of frustration about this whole thing and sort of address these threads that I had met in my life who were, you know, essentially, you know, 30 something uh, American white guys who can't self soothe in the face of a woman's greatness. In other words, you know, um, I knew that in making my first film that the drive of it, the engine and the urgency of it would be this sort of, you know, the theme of gender dynamics. And and being a fan of the genre, I wasn't, you know, intending to set out on making some preachy Me Too movie. Um, I settled on uh, this kind of death trap idea. Um, And, uh, you know... Aya Cash came aboard, Chris Red came aboard shortly after that, Becky Drysdale in the last, you know, 48 hours before we shot. And oh, really? <laughs> what kind of films did you watch to, like, prepare yourself to write Scare Me? That's a great question. I, I can't, I, I, I watched um, a lot of different things. Um, that's what, that's what I wanted to do. So Yorgos Lanthimos was, was a big inspiration. Um, uh, Dogtooth, uh, The Lobster, um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I still mm-hmm. have some of that music, um, as well as a ton of Jerry Goldsmith and Poltergeist. That was pretty much it. And spiritually, everything else kind of fell in, you know. And I say spiritually because there's homages to about every horror movie and sort of genre film I watched as a kid, from Howard the Duck to Halloween 5. You can pick up little, you know, dribs and drabs of uh, homages. I'm going to ask an extremely technical question. Uh, Because you're directing yourself, which I've done uh, multiple times in different, whether mostly short, I guess I've done a few feature length projects where I'm the guy too. But um, I have found it very helpful that there's somebody, whether it's a, a producer uh, whether it's one of the other actors I'm working with, somebody I can trust to tell me what worked or didn't work, even if it just comes to what was in the frame, technically, uh, did what I think read, read. Uh, so I don't have to watch playback after every take. Did you watch playback after your takes as a director and performer? Or was there somebody that you just threw to and said, did that work? And they said, yeah, let's move on. And you trusted them to move on. That is a very clever 
inside baseball question that I'm excited to answer because because you've done it before and people should know if you're gonna put yourself in your thing if you're the writer and director you need that second set of eyes and you're likely not even gonna see playback yeah um Brendan Banks again my DP you know he and I had done several shorts sort of leading up to the feature and we we have a shorthand um and our dynamic was always sort of uh, me as talent to some degree and him uh, handling the technical to some degree to to all the degrees. He would always shoot, if not shoot and direct some of the stuff that we'd done before. Uh-huh. And um, we didn't have time for me to look at playback. We didn't even have time for me to you know run over look over his shoulder and to look at the viewfinder. So often yeah. he would take a photo of the viewfinder on his iPhone and show me. And I'd say, you know, less symmetrical, more symmetrical, higher, lower, less headroom, more headroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Brendan, Brendan was it through and through. I mean, it That's was, great. it was our, it was our show. I wanted to ask if, uh, Aya's character evolved after she became involved and did it change? Did the definition of that character change for you once the role was cast or had you always pictured someone like her playing that role? I mean, you know, there were, I sort of had my, you know, my dream list, mostly of, of actors that I knew in my circle who, if I hadn't worked with before, they were like Aya. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've worked with Kristen Milioti. I'm buddies with Tatiana Mislani. Um, and I've known, I've truly known Aya probably the best um, through all the years. And, you know, she was kind of the the easy the easy ask because she had just finished this show. Um, uh, you're, you're the worst that she'd been on for, for eons. And she loved working from home. She loved being in upstate New York. She has a place up there. And, um, you know, she was down for the sort of, you know, this kind of, I guess, indie film slash challenge of this, uh, this movie. And when I handed, handed it to her and she just kind of said, yes, she was like, great. I get to work with a buddy. There's no graphic sex scene. Great. You know, like this is just, I'm going to be working with my friend, um, and get to do some voices. Um, of course it, it changed. I mean, I, I guess candidly, I expected or imagined someone who was, um, not a sketch person by any means, um, but uh, a chameleon in their own in their own right. And Aya hadn't really done that thing, mm-hmm. you know. It, it was incredible looking back on it that I got Stormfront to come <laughs> to do this movie. She wasn't Stormfront, you know. wasn't playing her uh, when we shot. Certainly, she didn't. You know, the boys was long out. But the fact that I got like the graceful like theater background, you know, Strasburg trained Aya Cash uh, to do a Crypt Keeper impression. Yeah. And, and a good you know, one. Um, walk like a ghost dog and do all these sort of wild things. It was just so wonderful. And and that's it, it, the reason why she was so wonderful in, in the, the, the show is because she comes from theater. She's the, she is the great collaborator. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Chris Red and with Becky you know, who has her own improv theater. I mean, uh-huh. ev- every one of these actors is just like down for the cause and do the thing. So yeah, it it definitely changed beyond, you know, a, a pinch beyond my imagination, but it also far exceeded my expectations. Uh-huh. I really appreciated, and you already touched on this. Um, I really appreciated how intentional, I've got even picturing this question, 
I'm just it's just so specific that no one else will care. But oh my I, God, I love I, <laughs> I just really appreciated how intentional your coverage was, is what I was going to say. It didn't feel like you shot every scene and every story the same way that you did this kind of blanket coverage um, and just kind of sprayed the scene down. It felt like you you very clearly and your DP understood we're in a limited space. So we have to try and make that space feel as different as possible shot to shot. And I think that was done really well. Did you storyboard to get that amount of accuracy or was it just decisions on the day with the DP? No, nothing on the day unless it was kind of a last minute, holy shit moment. Yeah. Um, you know, how are we going to, you know, tighten up what we need to do to make sure we get out of here before the height of the blizzard? We were we were blizzarded out oh, twice, wow. you know, because um, the weather was so bad. It was like, you know, our first day of shooting uh, in January of 2019 was the coldest day in eight years up in that part of the Catskills. Uh, but anyway, um, no, we, Brandon and I were so excited to make our first movie that we storyboarded rather shot listed all 280 some odd shots Mm -hmm. before we had the location. So we always knew there'd be a living room. We kind of drew the general idea of that living room. And then, um, we shot listed the whole thing. So great. You have your blueprint, so to speak. But then we, when we found the location, which I found it just kind of skimming through Instagram, we didn't have a location manager. It just kind of was, you know, poking around my hometown who lived closest to my parents' house, you know? Um, then we, then it was like game on great. Now it became about, you know, I don't want to walk in and block shoot corners of the room that we're going to Tetris into different stories for different parts of, of, uh, of the movie. I wanted to shoot as, you know, as much in order as we could. The issue was I was doing Fosse Vernon at the time and was only available for nine of the 14 shooting days. So pretty much anytime you see me, certainly in the first half of the movie, uh, solely on camera, I'm reading with my fiance off camera. Aya was not there. Um, But Brennan and I were super prepared. I mean, especially again, you know, my wanting to go in uh, as the director, as the producer, as, you know, the proverbial boss and not have any disagreements and just Mm kind of keep it as sort of efficient as possible while leaving, you know, enough space for the actors to do their thing. Um, we, I, I wanted to be prepared, you know, and so did Brendan. It, it, it was, that was really, really great. I mean, there were so few questions once we got there and then, you know, once I or Chris or Becky or me or Brendan wanted to try something else, or there was a little, you know, flub, um, we, we had the, you know, we had the sort of the, the freedom to work within to the boundary to work within, you know, freely to, mm-hmm. uh, to fix what we needed to. So you come from the sketch world and branded content and commercials. Were you surprised by any aspects of directing a feature? There was nothing. Um, I, I have to say, uh, um, you know, I hope it doesn't sound pompous, but after years of doing, you know, directing um, serial commercials, like you're kind of ready for anything. Yeah. Every personality, every shot, every, uh, you know, acting challenge. And also through two, you got to understand, you know, my, I, I've done probably close to 2000 videos in my time at College Humor, directing uh-huh. them in them, cartoons, voiceover. Most of them were not great. 
but I did it. You know what I mean? I had the hours to, to you know, of experience. I, I, I directed half of a multi-million dollar Netflix series that will never see the light of day. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> that's a story for another occasion. So I've kind of been through, I, I you know, I, I think the only quote unquote surprise is the, 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 the binding um, transitional sinew of it all. Uh, you got to keep that in mind. I, there were a few moments when I kind of, kind of realized, like, oh, we need a better transition shot, yeah. or we need a transition shot. Um, but in retrospect, there was stuff that you know I would have loved to get a Fred running, uh, jogging in the morning. Um, like I don't love the transition out of you know the kind of Evil Dead moment where I closed the cellar door, you know, to the lake because that's only the you know the footage we had. Um, but it, you know, it works. And that's the kind of wonderful thing about, you know, indies or really any film is you can embrace some of the, the shortcomings and it, it gives it its charm. I'd like to, I'd like to think. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So Josh, we want to do a new segment with you where we ask a few crazy questions. We're calling it crazy cues. The questions are, have you ever found yourself in a real life horror or paranormal situation? What horror film would you like to be in? Not as an actor, but actually live in the world of the movie. And then, is there a hot take you have on a horror film or aspect of the genre that is controversial? I wouldn't call them uh, paranormal experiences. I'd say the most harrowing or most terrifying was uh, realizing I was in the um, in the uh, the Uber vehicle. Uh, I was in the Uber of a uh, uh, of a oh what's the I, I don't want to say crazy person but a uh, of a wild card of a oh, human wow. being this uh, college student I was in I was in Austin and um, this guy was basically a young Zodiac um, oh, no. his his oh, no. long story short I had him drop my girlfriend at the time and I on on the corner away about a block from my place because he started making these odd comments and you know he's like what's so funny he's like talking like buffalo bill like, Ooh, what are you talking about no. back there um he drives halfway down the block and as we're walking towards our place i see him turn around mm-hmm. and head in our direction again and i grab my girlfriend's hand and and i just was like run and we run around the corner and we close the gate to this airbnb i was staying at in texas and we're hiding behind this fence and the uh, high beams of his car slow down and and cut through the slats of oh, this fence on. to like search for us. He drives oh away. God. We run upstairs. I say, don't turn the lights on. We watch him circle the block again and then one more time again. And I called Uber and they told me that he was, uh, you know, they, they have the map. You know, they're like, oh, it looks like he's, you know, halfway downtown now and do you want us to call him and tell him that he was bad? And I was like, no, no, don't say anything. He was very good. Um, So that was, yeah, that was the closest uh, to paranormal and real life horror, real life horror, like pants poop bad. What kind of stuff was he saying? Yeah. It was such a movie moment because he was like, you know, it's, it was, it started with him saying that, you know, uh, everybody in his part of town, he's like, oh, have you gone to College City? You know, if you, and he knew we were from out of town. It was something like College City. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't been there. He goes, yeah, everyone down in College City is crazy. 
I'm from College City. Like that was oh, like the first thing. And we're like, oh, okay. Great. And then oh, no. um, I make my girlfriend like separately. I say some comment that gets my girlfriend laughing. And he goes, what's so funny? <sighs> and it was just like, you know, the goosebumps. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, just I'm just being a little silly Billy. And I was just trying to like, you know, um, trying to disarm. And yeah. it just got weirder. And then we were just kind of like, hey, can you drop me off here? And then, yeah. Then it escalated. Oh, wow. I had an Uber driver once. <laughs> I ran once. for my life. I had an Uber driver once, uh, like, give me a, 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 sh- a short work of fiction that they had written. Wow. Oh, and they handed it to me, and I started flipping through it, and it was, it read like a serial killer's manifesto. Huh. I'm assuming it was fiction, but the text, as I just glanced, was like, and then I cut her up into pieces. And I was like, okay, so what's this kind of, is it kind of like a Stephen King? And he's like, yeah, I'm, like, really into... Horror, but it just felt like it was too soon to give me that book yeah. in what our What do you ride. think of that? Am I good? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have any notes? Um, Did I do oh, good? that's un- er- unnerving. <laughs> uh, so another no, one of thank our you. another one of our crazy cues, kind of spinning off of that, um, is what horror film would you like to be in? Not as an actor, but actually live in the world of. If you could be a character within a horror film. Because I find it's not often or always your favorite horror film. My favorite horror film was mm-hmm. Pumpkinhead. But when yeah, it... Yeah, that'd be when miserable. It, yeah, I don't... That'd be bleak. I, it'd be bleak. Uh, I, so when I think of what I'd like to be in, I actually think I'd like to be in Scream. I just love them all sitting at the mm-hmm. fountain talking in the beginning. And mm-hmm. uh, that style, you know, that like late 90s style. So... That's that's my answer. Not that anybody wanted to know, but what about for you? I wanted to know. Okay, good. Is there a horror film you'd <laughs> like to exist within? Man, that is a great question. I I recently watched Army of Darkness mm-hmm. <laughs> and thought that the 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 fun and escapism of you know if you could have one modern buddy amidst all of the you know the medieval demographic. Um, and, you know, become king shit mm-hmm. and show off your iPhone or whatever. Um, and just kind of make quirky, qui- like quips and teach people. <laughs> I just thought like Ash's experience of like corrupting this medieval town was yeah. so fun. Um, but also, and maybe, maybe this rolls into, uh, into, you know, re- remake territory, but I really love the world of demon Knight. Tales yeah. from the Crypt, Demon Knight, the like, the sort of like, you know, g- grittier, darker, dust till dawn kind of vibe, um, and all held up with you know tough types at a bar and like just glowing, colorful eyeballs and I don't know, I, I, I could, I could live happily in in anywhere. I, I think maybe maybe even maybe what would take the you know the 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 cake is. You know, coming out of the holidays, gremlins in that idyllic town. Um, yeah. You know, before it gets overrun. Um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a tie of three. Yeah, tangential, but uh, I, I have to ask due to the chip on my own shoulder. I ask I ask anyone who's involved in both comedy and horror if they're met with uh, the same sentiment that that I met with often, which is we don't want comedy and horror. We want straight horror. Have you been met with that uh, response from from people as you've pitched projects? Because for me as a horror fan, comedy has 
always been inextricably tied to the horror that I love, and especially Tales from the Crypt. The humor that's laced throughout those those episodes is part of what made me fall in love with horror as a whole. And I find it odd that anyone would want to separate the two. Yeah, uh, you know, I, this is a controversial statement, but people who just love straight horror, I think, I think they're just fucked up. I just think it's <laughs> just fucked up. It's like, you? <laughs> like you're just gonna like, you want to watch Green Inferno, like, and just like have a glass, of, like a glass of wine. I just don't understand. I, I, I respect yes. it. I respect dismemberment. <laughs> but eat, Sapphire, like, is that you? What's that? Yes, is, is I'm that offended. I, I just, I, I get it, but I, but I, because, because for me, the humor was so integral from the get-go, and it's not like people who can watch the Eli Roth stuff or the Human Centipede stuff can also enjoy Freddy Krueger. Well, Freddy was the fucking gateway to the whole thing. I mean, he was a cartoon character. I love Dream Warrior. I, you know, like. Dream Master 2, how violently gory um, that movie was. And those were like my more formative ones. But 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 films where there's just like true bleakness. I'm dying to see The Dark and the Wicked. I'm dying to, but I've had too many friends that say, is... oh, it's kind of just bleak for the sake of, I don't know. That's what? our, we yeah. were we reviewed it on our show and that was our review was it's, it, it, it's just bleak for the sake of bleakness. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's a tough one That's to get That's the through. stuff I can't really do. But you look at like Ari Aster, like Ari Aster considers the two films he's done essentially dark comedies, like especially right. Midsommar, which, you know, yeah. Hereditary, you're stretching it, bud. But, there, but there's great <laughs> yeah. comedic moments. Midsommar is like, I absolutely see it. I mean, like her yeah. frown, my God, like you could yeah. disarm you know, anything, and just the kind of the eugenicist, sweet, you know, Scandinavian uh, village. Um, but anyway, I, I uh, yeah, maybe this rolls into my, you know, controversial, you know, my yeah. hot take. I just don't, I don't know. And, and also, yes, I did, I did receive a bit of backlash, not from pitching. You know, when I'm pitching stuff, people do want to hear, they want to hear that texture because that's, mm-hmm. that you're, you're hitting all sides of the lizard brain. You're hitting the, you know, the, the, the part of it that makes you, you know, your, your giggle button and also like the thrill of, holy shit, I, I did get my hand cut off. You know, it's like the problem I have with Green Room, which I love and I hate because it's so fucking bleak. It's like Anton's going to get pretty much his hand cut off and, you know, still kind of make it out. But like, my God, did we have to go that far? And it's thrilling, but it's like, give me a little more... A little more quip. So anyway, uh, I, I've I've seen a bit of that backlash with Scare Me in particular. Uh, Scare Me is a bigger issue because people wanted, they expected like a Cthulhu to descend the stairs at the end of the movie, or they expected right. more blood, or you know whatever else. But it becomes a horror movie in a different way. It becomes a horror movie the way that a lot of people you know experience men like Fred at the end mm-hmm. of a night, especially women who don't know him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or or. Or know it, know someone at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I I haven't seen it so much in pitching, but but certainly with scare me like oh you know give me give me the blood. Why didn't any you know hands get cut off? Yeah, Sapphire, do you want to set up our last crazy cue, the hot take crazy cue? Yeah, I mean, did you already kind of answer? it? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Sapphire, I did not. I hope I'm not offending you. I know it's a hot take. I know it's a hot take, girl. But it's like, fuck. I'm you know what I mean? Like, we're just going to cut off limbs. 
No, I I do know that it is fucked up. I just I don't know why I love it's, it. It's I just I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could just watch a bunch of mouths get sewn to butts and then like ha- you know like I I think it also just like the I mean I definitely watched Human Centipede just to see. I was like oh, yes. how I how in the it. world is this how was this made? But like, you know, I wasn't I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> no, no, no. But also like I haven't by the way, I'm being so I'm like kind of teasing and being unfair but I, but I like using Green Inferno as like the example I haven't seen it but I'm just I know what's up and it's like you know um, I would rather troll too probably than see yeah. you know uh, just see like bleak bleak the, the bleak bleak sawing of guts um, so that's but, uh, but anyway yeah I think I think hey I'm gonna stick with that I think that's my hot take I think if you don't have any there humor you in your in your scary movie, you know, you, you, we got to talk, you know, so Sapphire, we got to, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fucked up, it's so bad for like a horror director to be like, Every, all other horror, you got to be funny, but uh. <laughs> yeah, it needs at least, you know, some comic relief, you know. Yeah. Um, and and to be fair, there's inevitably, even if you're, yeah. you know, you're like, negative first timer you're gonna have some comic relief whether you intend to or not in your in your movie you know yeah that's great um even kevin bacon you know in in friday the 13th he uh, there's some there's some comedy to kevin not knowing that an arrow was going to go through his trachea i mean come on for sure for (laughs) sure um that's awesome well, listen, Josh, thank you for being here. This was a great chat. And for anyone listening that hasn't checked out Scare Me, do so now. It is available to stream wherever you get your movies on demand. Alter Society. The movie we're going to watch next is Black Box, which is available to watch on Amazon Prime. So watch Black Box this week and hit up the community tab on Alter's YouTube page to join in the discussion. Before we sign off, here's what's coming up on Alter this week. Guest House on January 8th. While on a weekend away in a guest house, a couple play a game with supernatural consequences. Then, Hungry Joe on January 11th. A single mother struggles to bond with her apathetic child, born with an insatiable and increasingly inhumane appetite. Then, The Howling Wind on January 13th. During a plagued dust and windstorm in 1963, a countryman takes in a weary traveler seeking refuge, but discovers the truth in the circumstances of his arrival. That's all for this week's episode of Alter Weekly. Until next time, stay altered. You can catch new episodes of Alter Weekly every Thursday. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe and download. Alter Weekly is produced by Andrew Bowser with theme music by Sapphire Sandalo. Alter Weekly is executive produced by Stephen Michael and Lauren Palmer at Gunpowder and Sky. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.